you ever struggle with knowing God's will for your life? We all, we all struggle sometimes with knowing God's will for our life. And in fact, sometimes when we aren't sure, that's how God actually is drawing us nearer to him. When we don't just have the easy answers and we don't just know what to do, he wants relationship with us. He wants to, to know us, not just that he's our fix-it man, but that he's in relationship with us and we are dependent on him always as we like walking forward through this life. So we're going to read Ephesians 5, 15 through 21 today. We're learning about walking wisely in God. How do we walk wisely in this life? Let's read Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, last fall, we did a series called Worship 101, and we focused in on the parallel passage to this in Colossians of speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart. And we focused on the, the worship aspect of that. So if you really want to get more detail on that, jump back into our podcast on the website or on iTunes and, and go, go find uh, the Worship 101 series and you'll get more there. But we're talking today about walking wisely. Walk wisely by making the best use of the time. Now, with my legalistic background that I grew up in, I can read that, make the best use of the time, and, and that to me can mean, oh my goodness, is it ever okay for me to rest? Is it ever okay for me to take a break? Uh, and the short answer to that is absolutely. Uh, in fact, God has built that in and we need it. We need rest and that's okay. But walk wisely, making the best use of the time. Now he says, therefore, or look carefully then, and he's referencing what we talked about last week, dealing with, with our, just the way we live. He actually, we addressed sexual immorality, impurity, foolish talk, crudeness, these things that are not wise and are not like God. So now we're learning what do we do? Walk wisely, making the best use of the time. Once, while Francis of Assisi was hoeing his garden, Francis of Assisi was a, a church leader years and years and years and years, like hundreds of years ago. Francis of Assisi was hoeing his garden. And he was asked, what would you do if you were suddenly told you would die at sunset today? He replied, I would finish hoeing my garden. <laughs> 
I would finish hoeing my garden. He recognized that all of life can be holy before God. All of life can be valuable when we're doing things as unto the Lord. Now, sometimes, sometimes the best use of our time is to go fishing. Anybody say amen to that? There you go. I knew Paul would be in on that one. Sometimes the best use of our time is to go fishing. And Peter did that. Jesus actually sent him fishing to go get money out of the mouth of a fish and pay their taxes. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish that I could pay my taxes this year by going fishing. That would be so much more fun. Sometimes the best use of our time is to go to a dinner party with non-religious people. Jesus did that. He would go and spend time with those that the religious people called sinners. And he would hang out with them. And sinners loved Jesus. He became known as the friend of sinners. Sometimes the best use of your time is, is to do that. Sometimes the best use of your time is to go get a job. Paul told this to former thieves in Ephesians. We read about this, the end of Ephesians 4. He told the thieves, don't, don't thieve, don't thieve, don't thieve. No longer steal, but labor. Work with your hands so that you actually have something to give to other people. So sometimes that's the best use of your time. And sometimes the best use is to just go in your room and shut the door and spend time with Jesus. We all are given 24 hours in a day. We're all given one life to live. None of us can say we haven't been given enough time by God to do what he's called us to do. None of us can say that. Because we've all got the same 24 hours. Now, if you're trying to be something you're not, you're trying to fulfill your parents' expectations of who they wanted you to be, or you're, you're trying to do things that God didn't call you to do, you go, man, this feels like I'm working really hard and I'm getting nowhere and nothing's getting done and I'm always burnt out. I'm always just wiped out and there's never enough of me to go around to do the things I know that I'm commissioned by God to do. Well, then maybe we need to stop and spend some time with and evaluate. What are we doing? Am I walking wisely or am I just walking and walking and walking and walking and walking? We live in a broken world. And the broken world brings evil distractions. It's an evil that says the days are evil. So how do we do this? How do we make the best use of our time? The second thing Paul says to the Ephesians here is to walk wisely by understanding God's will. Understanding God's will. Understand what the will of the Lord is. John Stott, one of my favorite theologians, he says, nothing is more important in life than to discover and do the will of God. How simple is that? Nothing is more important than to discover, God, what what do you want me to be doing? And then do that. Another leader calls it a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience. I just keep doing what I know God has said to do. doesn't matter if it's easy. doesn't matter if it's hard. doesn't matter if other people don't agree with it or it's not culturally popular. I keep doing what I know God has said to do. Just keep going. 
Anybody ever heard of uh, the Wright brothers? Orville and Wilbur? Do you know their father was a, a, a bishop? The bishop. He, this is what their father, the bishop, said over 100 years ago. Well over 100 years ago now. He pronounced from his pulpit and in, in the magazine periodical that he edited that heavier-than-air flight was both impossible and contrary to the will of God. This comes from, from uh, I got this off of uh, this book, Robert P. Dugan, Winning the New Civil War. It says, oh, the irony that Bishop Wright had two sons, Orville and Wilbur. Wright was wrong. Sure of himself, but wrong. He thought he knew what the will of the Lord was about flight and air travel, and he was totally, totally off. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Guys, he has a good plan for you. The Lord has a will for your life. He's not just leaving you aimless. I say that a lot because I really value that. There's such security in knowing God has will and and a direction for my life. And I can know, there's lots of things I can know. Well, I know it isn't that. I know it isn't that. I know it isn't that. He has a good plan for your sexuality. He has a good plan for your finance and your research, research, resource. He has a good plan for your speech. Apparently I'm, he's working on that with me right now. Good, good plan for your lifestyle, a good plan for you and how you can make good life decisions. And we can keep going. He has wisdom for our lives. Now is today's message just all about live a better life, be a better you? No, that's, that's not what I'm not what I'm after here. But we don't want to waste our lives on things that are not God's will for us. And he hits one here. He says, don't get drunk with wine. And, and I'm going to just be straight up honest with you. I always try to be really candid and open. I really enjoy a glass of red wine with a meal. I love it. I, like, it's got to be good wine. But I I enjoy that. But you know what? I am not called to have too much. Don't get drunk with wine. Because what comes with, with drunkenness is debauchery. And that word debauchery, it just means all of these things. That there's sinfulness. When you, you start getting out of your your right self, you start getting, like, and you, you never notice? Not you. Not you, only the other people that you know. If you have too much to drink, suddenly you go like, they are not themselves. They seem a little bit um, a little bit out of it. They're saying things they normally wouldn't say. They're doing things they normally wouldn't do. And they're speaking in ways and using words they normally wouldn't use. Don't be drunk with wine because being drunk with wine, you're out of your normal mind. This is not the will of God for you. But this isn't just a don't get drunk message either. What does he say? Don't get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Hmm. I like this. 
something very, very specific here. We don't want to lose. We don't want to just gloss over. What is it that empowers God's will and God's wisdom in our lives? We want to walk wisely by being filled with the Spirit of God. It's God's Spirit in our lives that leads us into all truth. It's God's wisdom in our lives and, and God, sorry, God's Spirit in our lives that points us to Christ. The Spirit of God loves to see Jesus honored. The Spirit of God, Paul says elsewhere, it's by the Spirit that we cry out to God, Abba, Father. It's by the Spirit of God. So when we're saying, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Let us become more aware of your presence. We're, we're just saying, oh God, let us be aware of you. The Spirit is, it's not just so that we can have all the, all the, the warm fuzzies and, and all the like, like, woo, Holy Spirit shivers. I'm not mocking that. I sometimes have Holy Spirit shivers and I'm fine with that. But the point is he's, he's inviting us and, and opening up God to us. Honoring Jesus. Helping us relate to the Father. So it's very wise for us to not just run after. It doesn't have to just be alcohol. It can, all kinds of things that we try to fill our lives with. And we do things to excess. And Paul's saying, no, that's not where you're going to find the fullness. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And it's interesting that he says this. The word, the word here uh, is plural in the Greek. We, it's, can, you can kind of miss that as we're going through in English. You guys, you guys together. It's not just an individual thing. It's an us thing together. We, and, and what we're doing this morning is we're just making room for God to move among us and welcoming God to move among us. This is one way that we together can be filled with the community together. Brian Chapel, Presbyterian uh, scholar, says if we make what we do, meaning right actions, the integration point of our faith. He's a Presbyterian, so he speaks very well and uses big words. If we make what we do, right actions, the integration point of our faith, then we become fundamentalistic and pharisaical with the judgment of others' misbehaviors, the preoccupation of our religion. Meaning, we're judging everyone else. If we make what we think right doctrine, which is good, if we make that the integration point of our faith, then we become rationalistic debaters with judgment of others' faulty doctrine, the preoccupation of our religion. Here's the point. Only when the integration point of our faith is knowing and living out the fullness of the person of Jesus Christ will his person and witness be the true preoccupations that fill our lives. Our focus is Jesus. Now, 
I'm all about, if you hang out with me, you know I love good doctrine, solid teaching. I really, really value it. But what we're doing isn't just trying to be right. We want to make much of Jesus. And we want Jesus to be the focus of everything we're doing, everything that we're building, that we're pointing people to Jesus, not just to a system of, I've got all my ducks in a row, so Jesus will love me. Not religion, but relationship. Brian Chapel goes on to call this kind of Christianity. He calls it L-U-I. Not, not D-U-I, but L-U-I, living under the influence. Living under the influence. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. Be filled. You guys together, plural. You be filled with the Holy Spirit. In the Greek, this means this. Continually be being filled. In today's vision and values after the meeting, we're going to talk about water baptism. Next week after the meeting, we're going to talk about Holy Spirit baptism. And, and a lot of times, churches like ours can point to, like, have you had an experience with the Holy Spirit? And we all can point back to this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This happened. Paul says, be continually being filled. This is a regular enjoyment for all of us as Christians. If we want to walk wisely as a Christian and represent Jesus well, then we need to be continually being filled. What does this look like? And I'm not talking about speaking in tongues today. (laughs) What does this look like? What is the overflow from the spirit-filled life? This is what he hits at at the end of this. Speaking, speaking the word of God to one another, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, speaking to one another, getting the word of God out out of our head, not out of our heart. We want it in our heart, but overflowing from our heart out of our mouth. We begin to speak the word of God to one another encouraging one another, building one another up with God's word. Our words matter, you guys. Your words matter. God, it's using you to encourage his church. He's using you to build up the people of God. So speaking, singing, so singing songs in your heart or songs from your heart. And some of us dudes are like, hmm. I don't know about that. I'm not so much into singing. I am. Clearly, I'm into singing. I didn't used to be. I was very, very, very self-conscious. Hated my voice. Didn't want anyone to hear me sing out loud. And as I started letting God's word get into me, I started realizing there's power in this. There's power in this. There's freedom for my own heart when I began to sing to the Lord. Singing songs reflecting and contemplating on the truth of scripture and letting it come out in in song thanking and this is important not just being thankful or feeling grateful but thanking 
Again, it's coming out of us. Giving thanks. Expressing thankfulness to God. Grumbling was one of the besetting sins of the people of Israel. This is John Stott again. They were always murmuring against the Lord and against Moses. But the spirit-filled believer is full, not of complaining, but of thanksgiving. This can be a choice. We can develop our own personal culture where before we can thank God for something or before we are conversations can be expressing thanks. We first have to tell you all the things that are wrong in our world. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Doesn't say, that's not, I'm not saying we can't ever talk to each other about our problems. We need to do that. Don't just stuff them. But the majority of our conversation together and of our songs, you notice the songs we sing around here, we tend to spend a lot of time thanking God and praising God. Because it changes our hearts. It changes our attitudes. It builds a culture of thankfulness where people's eyes are shifting to Jesus off of our, off of our problems and onto Jesus. My wife, Becca, always talks about uh, one of the things they talk about in the public school system is we can spend too much time admiring the problem. And she's like, are you admiring the problem? Or are we bringing solutions? So what we like to do is, let's not just admire all the problems and talk about the problems from every angle all around. Let's focus on the solution with a capital S, Jesus. And then let's begin to let that come out of our mouths. And the final thing here, which is really not the end, this isn't, this isn't a period at the end of verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. In the Greek, it keeps right on going. Today, we're going to stop here. And we'll pick up with this verse again next week. What does it look like to have the overflow of the Spirit-filled life? Submitting. Living submitted lives. Submitting one to another. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This, this doesn't, this, what this doesn't say, I'm going to get into this more, more next week. What this doesn't say is, hey, all you people who have any sort of authority or responsibility or position, make sure that everyone else is submitting to you. That's not what it says. It says, hey, all of you, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So as we're singing, as we're thanking God, as we're spending time together, we're not just dominating one another's lives. We're submitting to one another. Hey, here's this wonderful encouragement from the Lord. Here's this promise of the Lord from scripture. Wow. And we don't just like demand it of people. You must do this. We submit to one another. This is beautiful. This is hard to build. This kind of a culture. But so worth it. Not impossible. It's just, it's, this is a serious undertaking.
We want to walk wisely, making best use of the time, understanding what God's will is, being filled with the Spirit, living under the influence of God. What is his will for your life? His will for your life is definitely this, to be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking the word of God to one another, building one another up, encouraging one another, learning, so simple and so weird, learning how to sing. <laughs> not, not singing like, wow, you are impressive, but just learning how to let that overflow from your heart to the Lord happen being intentional about being a person of thanksgiving. Being intentional about submitting your life in the family of believers. You weren't called to be a lone ranger. You weren't called to do it and figure it all out on your own and like, I'm going to get myself all figured out and then I can hang out with the people of God because now I feel like I know enough or I'm obeying enough. I'm doing all this. We come together and we learn how to do that well together. We submit to one another. Hmm. I'm going to close it out with this. N.T. Wright again. He says, if you don't want your garden to grow weeds, one of the best ways is to keep it well stocked with strong, sturdy flowers and shrubs. If you don't want your mind and heart to go wandering off into the realms of darkness, one of the best ways is to keep them well stocked with wise and thankful themes. Keeping our hearts well stocked with the word of God, letting that overflow from us. The Holy Spirit will guide and direct our hearts. He'll bring his word to mind. We're like, God, what do I do in this situation? How do I honor you at work with this, like with what's going on here and now? And you submit that to him. Scriptures will come to your mind. Not only that, but he will fuel your life with his word. This is the best way to walk wisely. Fill your heart and your mind with the things of God.